0: Thank you for joining us on the CFF podcast for our special week of sanctification. During this week, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be sharing on how to be sanctified with a purpose. Prepare your hearts to receive and allow the word of God to bless you. This is your home. Thank you so much, Frank, for sharing that word. And thank you, CFF Worship. Um, We are going to have a little bit more time after uh, the word is, is shared and after we do communion today and uh before however we continue worshiping and we continue with uh with our time of communion i want to uh kind of close out this week of sanctification uh with this beautiful beautiful time uh i'd like to lead you to 1st Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 1st Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 and we're going to go from 23 all the way to 32 so 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three 23 through 32. Um, if you are uh, watching the service with somebody else, tell them, are you ready? Are you ready? And uh, just tell somebody next to you, are you ready? Or tell them, I don't think you're ready for this. You can do each- whichever one you want. But um, I am ready to receive what God has for me. Uh, let's go ahead and um, read the Word of God. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Are you guys okay? You guys good? Yeah, okay, cool. The band is the the audience right now, so if they're a whack audience, then that means that's our band. So (laughs) they expect you to worship, but then when somebody's preaching, they're all quiet like this. Come on now, be real. Be nice. All right. (laughs) All right. Coco. Now, how about we pray? Let's ask God to, to indwell this present, this place and just, let's just, uh, share His word. Dear God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you because I know that you're here today. Thank you because you want to really seal our hearts, um, with your truth, with your word. Let your anointing, your Holy Spirit, uh, just move. Uh, God, we want to have full communion with, with you, Lord. We want to, uh, have a, a time with you that is a time that will mark not only us, but those that are coming after us. Help us to have, one more time, your presence, your love, your grace. Pour on us, please. We are like a, like a desert God that desperately needs that new wine. In your name we pray. Amen. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my body. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Good grief. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread. I know all the women said good. I'm glad I'm not a man. No. A man or a woman ought to examine himself before he or she eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone, say with me, anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have died or fallen asleep. But if you were judged, listen, but if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. Now let me jump to First Corinthians chapter 10, 16 and 17. This kind of brings it all together. First Corinthians 10, 16, 17. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And it's not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Jesus, or of the body of Christ, I'm sorry, because there is one loaf. How many? One loaf. We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Tell the person next to you, you are my loaf. I'm just kidding. No, we are all one loaf. We are all one part of uh, one body, and that's the body of Christ. I absolutely love this part of the Bible, but I could tell you it is very difficult for some people to, to take it, to absorb it, to receive it. It talks about Paul is telling the Corinthians, some of you are weak, and you are sick, and you are dying because you have taken communion in an unworthy manner. Now, listen, I went to a very traditional church. In my church, um, if you were having communion and people knew that you were walking in sin, they would literally just skip you right over. Like that. It was almost like, yeah, for real. Like, if you were there and then, and they would just, you know, the deacon or the usher would go, and go... I am not even playing and I was like and of course you know you have those people that have rubber necks and they're just like just looking around and they should be the ones being skipped right over but of course right uh, in this in this old church they had something though that was right and that in the communion they didn't take it lightly some people took it In the right way, in the right way, but some people took it in the wrong way. Now, I believe that what God is saying through the Apostle Paul is 100% true. That some people are sick and are weak and are dying because they don't understand what's happening here. Now, of course, we know this is bread and this is, you know, uh, we call it the Jesus juice. But it's just all it is is grape juice, right? But um, some fermented, some not, right? But what I'm saying is that all this doesn't save you. The bread... And the wine, it doesn't change you. What does change you is a deep understanding of what this is. In your life, through your life, onto the rest of the people around you. What Paul is saying is that some of you take this as a ritual. You are religious people, but you are powerless people. You are people that have a God who is almighty, but you live lives of weakness. You live lives that present no power, that there's no transformation, there's no sanctification, therefore your bodies are suffering the consequences of sins that should have been done and dealt with a long time ago. So I want to ask you today that you will remember forever how to actually have communion with God. We talked about this the whole week, right? That there's a difference between having relationship with someone, right, and being related to someone. There's a lot of people in my life I have I'm related to, but I don't have relationship with them. Cousins that I grew up with in Mexico, I haven't seen them. If I run into them, I may not even know who they are. Because when we were kids, we would play, but now they're just different people. I have I have met people that said, "Man, I have brothers and sisters that I've never met." He may be related to them, but it doesn't mean you have relationship to that person, right? Amen. So some people have a relation to someone. They may be husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, but their relationships are torn to pieces. So what God is trying to tell you, this is not just about being related. This is about relationship. I don't know about you guys, but I don't invite just anyone to my house to eat. Now, I'm not saying that my house is not open all the time. Today, yesterday, I can't think of a day of the week that we haven't had someone at our house. Now, somebody said, I thought you were protecting for COVID. Yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, so we we love having communion with people. If I was to change the name of the church, I don't have another name yet. It would probably be just like my kitchen church. Because it really happens in my kitchen. You guys know that. It is like that's not about, it's actually a horrible name, but it, it's, an, it, all this time is, is spending time eating with people. Today, someone came to the house and taught Eoni how to do this, this delicious corn dip, right, which is, is perfect for fasting times, right, and so, uh, so I'm just excited because now I get to eat that corn dip without having to wait for that person to come another time next month, right, and so, um, anyway, my wife may not even do it until, like, You know, New Year's. But anyway, so what I'm saying is that we have uh, people over and we we have communion with them. We have, we share food with them. This is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He says to them, I've been longing to have this time with you. I wanted to have one last supper with you. I wanted to do this communion because I want to show you something that will remain with you forever. Communion must be taken in a four... (laughs) You must be able to look four ways, four ways to look if you are to take communion in a worthy manner. Now this is going to sound complicated, but it's actually super simple, and I believe it's super beautiful. Remember, every time you take communion, you have to look back. Say with me, look back. Look back. Look back at what? It says on 1 Corinthians 11:26, which which we just read, it says, You proclaim the Lord's death. You look back at the sacrifice of Christ, and you realize that Christ paid the price for you. Someone who takes communion must always know this is the price of death that should have been paid by me, but instead my Jesus gave it. He paid with his life. Anyone who realizes this cannot begin taking communion in an unworthy manner why because they realize this is not just some cheap bread or some cheap you know grape juice. juices not welches what this is this is the body of christ this is the blood that was shed for me i remember the bible says that you proclaim proclaim you know proclamation means not just saying it proclamation is speaking it out with all your heart with all your might to the rest of the world to hear The Bible says that you proclaim the death of the Lord. You have to look back and say, Jesus, how could you do this for someone like me? I don't know if you know, but in the Bible, every single person that had an encounter with God, whenever they found themselves in his presence, they would look at themselves, either fall to the ground or say, I am not worthy, I'm not worthy I'm not worthy I was reading today in my devotional this one prophet that said woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips this is a prophet hey this is a prophet this is not you know some sailor that costs up a storm he says my mouth my say whatever I say is not God My lips are unclean. I got a potty mouth. I got a filthy mouth. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve you. The Bible says that the Lord put a coal and touched his lips and purified them. Could you imagine the blisters? I got a burn right here. Happened a few weeks ago. Imagine the burning coals of God. I don't know how, you know, if your lips are very hypersensitive. That's why you don't kiss with your head, right? You kiss with your lips, right? I'm going to give you a kiss covid kiss bam right instead you have this sensitivity and the Lord said right there let me tell you why because what God was trying to do with this man he was trying to teach him something that sanctification is sometimes painful that it was sometimes the fire God can cleanse you the Bible says that one day you will give an account for every single one of your idle words said in this earth Everything you said outside someone, everything you said out of anger, everything you said because you were tired or because you were hangry, right? Everything you said, you'll have to give an account for these things. I want you to understand it. You didn't deserve the death of Jesus Christ. I didn't deserve the death of Jesus. Yet the Bible says that while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. You. Can you please say amen? Christ died for you. So you have to look back and say, Lord, thank you so much for shedding your blood and for giving you in your body. Second look. First look is look back. Second look is within. Where? Within. The Bible says in First Corinthians eleven twenty eight, 28, a man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. It's not only looking back at Jesus, now it's looking within yourself. I remember the story I read about Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane. It was in 1921, Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane had this idea that if someone went through local anesthesia, instead of putting them fully under, they could recover quicker. Listen, my sister had surgery today, um, yeah, today, this morning, and um, she didn't know if she was going to put, be put under or if she was going to have local anesthesia. Now we were talking, and I remember this story, of course, I was preparing for this message, and I told it sis, if you could just have it local it's much better because the other one stays in your system longer, blah blah blah. all these things listen, Dr. Kane was trying to talk to his colleagues about no one believed him. He said, "Listen, I am willing to to do this, and nobody wanted to be the the how do you call it the guinea pig for him to do uh, local anesthesia, do an, take an appendix out, he would do he." of appendicitis is that what it's called when somebody gets appendicitis appendectomy so he was doing appendectomy he said you know these people can recover much quicker if instead of putting them under we could just do local anesthesia it was so crazy because this man uh, couldn't find anybody so finally one day he found someone and he performed this surgery that back then took two weeks for people to get out of the hospital, he performed it so well with local anesthesia that in two days, the patient was able to walk out of the hospital. Everybody was so amazed, but the most amazing part of Dr. Kane's surgery was that the patient and the surgeon were the same person. So this, bro, li- this guy did literally put himself, he gave himself anesthesia, opened up his belly, took out his appendix, sewed it back on, and in two days, he walked out. I know. Da-da-da. This guy was so in th- thug life, right? This guy was so amazing that he was able to say, "I'm gonna do surgery on myself because nobody else is gonna trust me." It's a fact, documented. I promise you. As a matter of fact, there's a hospital called Summit Hospital in New York City. It's called Summit Kane Hospital. It's after this guy. This guy was so epic, so amazing, master surgeon. He was able to do what every single believer must do. Whenever you are taking communion, you are to examine yourself. Do not take communion in an unworthy manner, pretending that everything's okay. Do not take communion, I would tell you, in an unworthy manner. So what happens, a lot of people, Frank, a lot of people, instead of looking within and asking God to change them, they say, oh, I'm not worthy. And they just leave the communion with God, that dinner that the Lord invites you to, the moment of intimacy where you can stand before God and fix things, And they just walk away. Can you believe that? That some people, instead of looking within and saying, God, I wanna change, change me, do surgery, help me, God, they would rather just walk away. And I would tell you, this is a time for self evaluation. This is a time to do what Dr. Cain had the guts to do cut yourself in open and say, God, take whatever it is that doesn't help, take whatever it is that doesn't belong. And I would just tell you, first thing, look back at the sacrifice of Jesus. Number two, look within and see that there is no evil way in you. Number three, we'll look around. Look around. I'm not saying look around like those sisters back in my old Baptist church. I'm saying look around at your relationships with people. First Corinthians 10:17, it says, Because there's one loaf. How many? one loaf we who are many are one body for we all partake of the one loaf i love this i absolutely love this now it doesn't say that you are a piece of bread it says that god is the bread of life and we all partake of one bread one loaf Isn't that amazing The man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the lord i tell you this so beautiful man when i read the word of god I can realize something that there's so much unity. There's so much beauty in it that we today are going to take communion. CFF, please listen to this. We're going to take communion and declare that every single one of us belongs to one family. We are part of one loaf. Amen. Uh, I thought you guys were going to be more excited. I guess. uh, (laughs) Okay, that was weak. That was cheap because then it came after the fact. It's like, hey, wife. It's like, hey. Love, can you give me flowers? And then I bring her flowers. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, let's try it next time. Okay. But what I'm saying is we are part of one loaf. We're part of one body. We are part of one body. So the person next to you as ugly or as as beautiful as they may be, they're part of one body. You know what's wild and crazy? In every single family, every single, I don't care which family you belong to, there's that one family member that you're like, how are we related? And I'm so glad because I think that's what God uses, right? To remind you, hey, in the family of Christ, is the same thing. Man, we are one body in Christ. And you know the wild thing? The Bible says that if you have something against your brother, and you bring an offering to God, trying to please him. He says, leave the offering there at the altar. Go fix things and then come back and give your offering. Otherwise, I won't receive it. Some of you guys are like, oh, so I don't have to tithe? (laughs) Listen, man, what God is trying to tell you is this. I don't want to take anything from you, not even compliments. You and I are not going to do this fake thing. If I forgive you, who are you to not forgive other people? If I poured myself out, who are you to have something against your brother, against your sister? I want to tell you something, that every single one of us here are part of the body of Christ. Some of us here feel like we're more important or less important because we serve a certain function. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. If you're a part of the body of Christ... All of you, every single one of us, we are incredibly valuable. Every single one of us are necessary because every single one of us are part of the one body that I can tell you the world desperately needs to see. Before I move to the last point, I want you to grab something. Really understand it. The world may never come to church. The world, just like Thomas will say I will not believe I will not believe unless I see and I put my hand on the wounds of Jesus and I could tell you that you will be able to with your life say the same come you can put your hand right here you can touch the body because I am part of that body the way that you live scarred and all I'm telling you this you can represent Christ Everywhere you go, the people may never go to a church, but they will go to your house. They will come near your life and they should be able to see and encounter the love of God because you are part of the body of Jesus. So whether you are today in Pomona, Montebello, Atlanta, doesn't matter where you are, St. Louis, it doesn't matter where you are, Argentina, wherever you are, I can tell you, you are part of the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Give God a shout of praise. So we look back. At the crucifixion we look within introspect we look inside our lives we look around making sure that our relationships are right are right before God and the last part is that we look forward we look ahead our lives must be driven by eternity our lives must be driven by eternity those that have done the most for this world are them that have had their mind the coming world I think of people like Billy Graham Reinhard Bunke Charles Spurgeon I think of amazing people like Katherine Coleman incredible people that came before us without even going all the way to the Bible I can tell you some of these men and women some that are still alive my pastor pastor Caesar people that have given their lives up for the gospel for eternity that they've sown their life, their time, their efforts, their finances, so that someone would come to know Jesus Christ. I encourage you to think about this as you take communion. Am I really looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ? It says in 1 Corinthians 11:26, until he comes. It doesn't say if he comes. It says until he comes. Do this and remember me. Remember this until I come back. Jesus is saying do you really believe that I'm coming back this is wild because I think about this uh, I was sexing earlier with somebody uh, you know I, I want him to stay at our house I said, yeah you can stay at my house I don't know if I'm gonna be in the state when you come during those dates because we may be going out uh, on a trip with a family I said well my house is open to you you're welcome to stay there now listen how crazy is this? If this guy comes and when I show up, he already changed everything. He moved into my bedroom. He changed the colors. He decided that, you know, he didn't really like the way the kitchen was. He starts rearranging the kitchen. How would we like it if he comes and our door locks are changed? I'm like, wait, hold on a second. This is my house, right? And all, no, seriously, imagine how weird would it be if everything has just him in it and I try to get in there. He's like, oh man, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't realize you were coming back. Wait a minute. Isn't that what a lot of Christians do? We live lives as though Christ was never coming home, as never, God was never going to come back, as though this is our, 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 our world, our life, my own decisions, my own life, and everything here is not driven as though Jesus was coming back. When you take communion, remember, he gave his life up for you. Yes, he went to heaven, but my king is also coming back. There's something called the second coming of Jesus, and you would be a fool to forget it. If Christ is coming and if he's going to demand everything that he let you borrow, like your time or simply this, life, what can you do with it? I encourage you guys to read a beautiful book. It's a simple book. It's almost like a story. It really rolls from the pages, and it's called Driven by Eternity by John Bevere. It's a book that really impacted my life, but in it, he talks about how so many people are driven by, this wor- driven by this world and the cares of this world and everything that happens here that have no life, no energy left to live for God. Listen, when we take communion, we must not do this in an unworthy manner. We must take communion, understanding that you and I, like we said yesterday, are not of this world. And one day, Jesus is coming. And one day, you and I, according to the scripture, we will be taken up to heaven with him. The Bible talks about us having a new body, a regenerated body. I could tell someone who is sick, God will heal you, and he will certainly heal you. Are you sure? A thousand percent. Maybe in this life, but definitely when you pass. That sounds really weird. Like, oh, oh Really? This is what happens. A lot of people are driven by this world. And all there is is this world. But there's an eternity. And in that eternity, there's no more pain, no more sorrow. I want to tell you, if your body's hurting, if there's something that you're struggling with, I pray that God does bring healing. As a matter of fact, this Sunday, we're going to address how to apply the blood of Jesus according to Isaiah and how through his wounds we can be healed. But I also know that his will stands above mine and that I cannot coerce, I cannot manipulate God and I cannot demand that he would do something as though he was my subject, that my God is my king, and that is the truth, and if my God wills for me to suffer through something, that let him get glory through it. But there will certainly be one day where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, where you will receive a regenerated body. As a matter of fact, I would tell you that just as my father is in heaven, and Georgie, just as your dad is in heaven as of yesterday, I want to tell you this for all of you that are here That my Jesus, my King is coming back and he will take us home. And when we are home, we will come together with those that have come before us. And I know that I know that I know that there is a beautiful and incredible eternity awaiting every single one of us. Every time we take the cup, we realize Jesus came, he died, not only for us to have a good life, but for us to have eternal life. Please say amen. Why don't you stand up with me? I want to just invite you to worship God with me. We're going to take communion together. Someone asked D.L. Moody, if you knew that the Lord were returning tonight, how would you spend the rest of the day? And Mr. Moody replied without hesitation, I wouldn't do anything different than I do every day. What a powerful statement. If you knew Jesus was coming back tonight, what would you do different for the rest of the day? Mr. Moody, he was able to say, I would do nothing different. I'm already living for him. I want to be found as I am, expectant, excited, and living a righteous and holy life for Jesus. It is not too late, guys, to come to the Lord, to come to Jesus Christ. And just as it says in Revelations 22, 20, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, come. That you can say, God, come. I'm waiting for you right here, right now. I want to have communion with you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do communion together. I want to lead you through it. Grab your bread and grab the, the wine, grab the cup. Take the juice, and I encourage you to remember what you have in your hands. Yes, though it is something that seems so trivial, so mundane, so common. I want to tell you that what you have in your hands is the remembrance. By faith, it is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, by which you will proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. By which you're going to thank Him by which you're going to examine your heart, by which you're going to tell God, help me, Lord, to fix my relationships around me. Allow me to extend grace as you have extended your grace to me. By which you're going to say, Lord, thank you. Because of this, I now have eternity with you. I have a future in you. Jesus, today we take communion in the same way as you did with your disciples on that last supper. So we go and join now the Apostle Paul. As he said, verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 11, and when he had given thanks, as we are thanking you now, Lord, go ahead and take the cup in your hand. He took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Dear church, Take the bread. Thank you, God, so much. Thank you, God, so much. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God. Why don't you just begin to thank God for his sacrifice, for giving his body for you? Because that was a price you had to pay, but he paid it for you. Just thank him. Thank him, thank him. Look back and just say, Thank you, Jesus. Look within and tell him, forgive me, God, take it away. I want to live a holy life, a righteous life. Why don't you look? your relationships, and say, God, help me to be graceful. God, fix whatever is broken so that I can give you glory. You come first, not them, not me. You go first for them and for me. Look ahead and say, Jesus, I can't wait until we meet Jesus, until we meet in person. I want to behold your glory. I want to be there with you, Lord. I want heaven. I want you, Lord. Jesus, thank you, because you're coming back. Thank you, God. You may take the cup, put it, grab it in your hand. And this is what he said. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You may drink the cup and remember him. Jesus, Jesus, I'm going to invite the band to start coming forward. I invite you to stay in the presence of God. Jesus, you're so good. You are so good, God. You're so good, Lord. Here's what happens right there where you are. Continue to just pray and thank him for his blood. Thank him for his for his body, for his sacrifice. Just begin to worship him, begin to praise him, Jesus. Begin to proclaim the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. In your own words, just proclaim, declare that he is good. And that is mercy endures forever. Here's what I do when I don't know a song or when I can't remember enough lyrics. Here's what I do I pick something that God has been towards me, like patient. And I just say, God, you're patient, you're patient, you're patient. Or maybe it's for you, He's been so giving, He's provided more than enough. And I just say, You are giving, you are giving, you are giving. That's called exalting him. Lift his name up. Why don't we worship God together?